This program is supported by Altus Learn. Did you know that 89% of employees say, if my employer invested in my training, I'm more likely to stay with the organization long-term? An Altus Learn Imaging Campus has the required education for imaging centers to meet annual ACR, IAC, and Joint Commission requirements for radiation and MRI safety and CT dose reduction. An imaging campus not only provides the annual required education, but also provides the imaging center techs with access to over 200 CEs, which are accepted by the ARRT. Including CEs published on the RADCAST podcast, imaging technologists can track all of their CEs through the CE wallet, and imaging center leaders can check the compliance status of each of its team members. Learn more at the bottom of RADCAST.com and click on Get a Campus. So good afternoon or morning or whenever you're listening to this. Um, on this episode of Turner Talks, we are doing the second installment of our series on switching careers. So it pops up on social media quite often. What do I do if I want to leave clinic? What are my other options? What other jobs are out there? And if you tuned into the first installment of that, we spoke with two vendors. So for folks that want to leave clinic and go into the corporate world. So today we have educators. So all three of us are educators. As you know, my background, um, I was a college professor for 15 years before I broke out on my own. And um, so we're going to talk about folks that want to leave clinic and maybe be an educator, be that a program director, clinical coordinator, you know, fit into either a public or private institution and just kind of see what that looks like. So I want to welcome Carolyn and Kelly. And Carolyn, I'll let you start. If you'll just give us a brief bio, you know, tell us where you are and what you're doing, how long you've been doing it. Okay, my name is Carolyn Kaiser-Witt. I am currently the program director and the imaging science chair for South College at the Atlanta campus. They have four different campuses um, in Tennessee and in North Carolina. They started the Atlanta campus in 2018 and I came on in 2019. Um, I am a radiology teacher, but I also um, have CT background. I did CT for 11 years and actually still did CT until August and I stepped out of the PRN to go straight education from the clinical world. So I've been in education, strictly education, for almost a year now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And about you, Kelly, where are you and what, what are you doing and how long what have you been I- doing it? Well, um, So I'm Kelly Haynes, and I'm the program director for the Radiologic Sciences program. It's a bachelor's degree at Northwestern State University in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, In August, it'll be 20 years. Cannot believe that. So, of course, I started teaching when I was very young, (laughs) very young, you know. So I've been in education for 20 years. Um, Love it. You know, I started out as, you know, a faculty member. And then eventually moved up to clinical coordinator and now program director. And I've been in this role for almost 10 years. And um, I just, I absolutely love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. So before I came into education, I did work at a local hospital in radiology and then was the director of radiology for that facility. I did, was in that role about five years. And then I moved into education. 
So, and I was going to say to our audience, um, before we get into the topics around breaking off into education, is a little bit about networking, because we were discussing before we went on the air here, how long we've known each other and different things that we've worked on together. So, um, Kelly and I have been on different committees together. Um, we served in, in different roles for national organizations, for professional organizations. Um, Carolyn and I have done podcasts together, and so it was just kind of bringing us all back together we've all known each other for for a while but to bring this back together and and to kind of reflect on some of the things we've done so it just that also speaks to networking and um, your professional relationships and, and things like that so those are also very important so we don't want to lose sight of that either so um, we both kind of discussed your professional history and your, your current professional state um, Carolyn why don't you tell us educationally because I know that's one of the questions people ask what education do I have to have in order to move into education? So how about you give us a little bit of your educational background and then maybe what would you suggest for someone who may need to seek that different, that advanced degree? Sure. Um, what, what I started um, with the, you know, everybody go in, you your associates because you want to do the x-rays. That education wasn't even, on your mind you just want to, to to get out there and do that and get that job so for me um, I started with my associates and I had luckily some amazing teachers and not just my radiology course but in my prereqs I had a wonderful AMP teacher who was very challenging and um, then I had a wonderful procedures teacher who uh, while we were um, in class and things he'd be like talk about tutoring and things like that so I did tutor some for the school and that kind of got me wanting to do it and then got into the clinical setting and had a wonderful clinical instructor so I think the big thing is you don't realize what kind of impact you're making even in those little small roles because that's that's how I started out in teaching um, just started out in the actual classroom and tutoring and then went from there because that kind of put the little bug in my ear. So I went from that to um, working as an adjunct and working as a CI and just kind of working my way up. But while I was doing that, I was also getting my bachelor's degree because to be a clinical coordinator, if that's where you wanted to go, you need to have a bachelor's degree mm -hmm. for a, and, and they prefer one year experience with a JRC accredited institution um, but if you are straight out of school and you have a chance to do a uh, or apply to a position where you can be a clinical coordinator and you know in your heart of hearts that's where you wanted to go don't let that one year stop you because JRC will say all right you will be acting for a year right. and then after that year then you will you know be um, recognized so even just straight out of school in a bachelor's you can still get that clinical coordinator status if that's what you want to do but for me i think it was easier to just take those little steps up so i got that experience working adjunct at um, east tennessee state university um, at southwest virginia community college and then i got to be while i was working in ct i worked evening shift in ct at the local hospital and during the day though i would go to the hospital and be their ci 
So I kind of got to do the dual role there for um, Southwest. And then I kind of skipped the whole clinical coordinator thing. I don't know why, because <laughs> I really liked it. I like doing the clinic. Um, but <laughs> uh, while I was doing all that and I got my bachelor's and then I wanted to, you know, possibly this was where I wanted to be, you know, full, full term. So I went ahead and got my master's degree because to do the role of program director, they would, you need a minimum of a master's degree. Right. Still trying to talk myself into that PhD. Yes, no. Um, I think I'm going to do it. And then I get scared so <laughs> eventually <laughs> when things calm down. Um, but you have to have a minimum of a master's degree to be a program director. And um, so that's, that's what I went for. I went and got my master's degree because I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, I had the opportunity to come because in, when I was living in Virginia, it was working more in the clinical side, doing CT and then doing the education more as a part-time adjunct gig. And I had the opportunity to come and, and kind of switch those roles, do right. teaching full-time and move into Atlanta to do that. And then, you know, still, because I, I still wasn't ready to give up that clinical side and that patient side. So I did the, the patient thing PRN and I came to Atlanta and did a, um, just as an instructor for a year and I wasn't ready to give up that patient care side. So I uh, still did that PRN, but while I was an instructor, there came a opportunity to be a program director and the program director for where I was at was very supportive and he was like, you need to go for it. You have it. The worst they can do is say no. They'd be lucky to have you. I don't want to lose you, but so I applied for it and um, got the job. So that's why I said I kind of just skipped the whole clinical coordinator part of it because most people try to take those little baby steps up mm -hmm. and um, I just dove full in and they were coming off their heels of a JRC visit. So I got to see the end result of it and, and do the result of findings and all that kind of stuff. And I was there for about three years and then I, I came to, to South back in 2019 to do that. And then, you know, wanted a little bit more of a challenge. So not only was the program director, but get to be the, the chair. So I get to be over um, radiology, but also ultrasound and trying to, you know, learn about that end of it and going through because where we just finished our JRC accreditation, our ultrasound is beginning their KHAP accreditation. So it's a, a new new experience. So my path is a little bit different um, than Carolyn's. I was, um, like I said, working at a local hospital. And at the time, we were not a clinical site, but I had heard there was a teaching position open at Northwestern State. And I had only been out of school a couple of years, so I didn't have a lot of experience yet. But I applied, but I, and I didn't get the position. And oh. then I heard later they hired someone um, that had a master's degree. And I, I had, because I had a bachelor's degree, I went, I graduated from Northwestern and it's a bachelor's degree program. And I said, a master's degree in radiology? Are you kidding? Because again, this has been, you know, over 20 years ago. And there was only a couple of master's degrees even available at that time. And so, you know, I thought, well, you know, time is going to pass regardless. I might as well be taking a class. 
And so I reached out and I started going to school because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want that ever to happen again, to be overlooked because I didn't have enough education. And so I started on my master's program and I had, was about a year and a half in, it was in August or July and I was going to be graduating in December and Northwestern state, they had new faculty members over there. It wasn't anyone I knew. They approached me and asked if I would become a clinical site and start putting, you know, students because I had recently hired one of their graduates and asked if I would put students at my facility. And I got to visiting with the program director at the time and the clinical coordinator and about a week. And I mentioned that I was, you know, getting my master's and they had both graduated from that program. And I was like, couldn't believe it. I was, wow, you know, and about a week later, they called and asked if I would be interested in teaching. And um, truthfully, at the time, I, I said, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about it, really. I was getting my master's in administration, and I truly loved my position in administration at the hospital, and um, I felt like I was learning so much and growing so much, and so I really prayed about it and um my mom she gave me the the best advice ever she said you know why don't you go for it and if you don't like it you can always go back to the clinical part you know you can always go back and i was like well you know what i think that's what i'm gonna do and so i jumped from the clinical arena into education and like i said that's been 20 years ago and so um i haven't looked back since so it was it was the best move for me uh like i said i can't imagine doing anything else but i also feel like education is the best of both worlds because even though i'm a program director i can still go to the clinical sites and visit with my graduates visit with technologists there i can x-ray some patients you know if i so desire to do that on a day and work with my students and then also i'm in the classroom so i feel like it is truthfully the best of both worlds and I can't imagine doing anything else. So I was going to say, Carolyn, when you brought up that you may or may not be going back to school, <laughs> Kelly and I strongly support you. As we do. Um, we've both <laughs> completed doctorate programs and, um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm right. glad it's okay, yeah. but I, I would encourage you to do that. So right. both of you were in clinic um, mm -hmm. and both of you kind of had little separate roots. Did you make a decision to leave clinical? Because once again, if I refer back to some posts and things that are on social media, some people are just like, I'm tired or, you know, I want a different path. I want something that I don't have to work weekends or nights or, I mean, you know, there are lots of different um, reasons that people right. look to leave clinic. So Kelly, were you looking to leave clinic? It doesn't really sound like if you were happy in Advent, how did you, how did you, other than your mother's advice, how did you make right. that decision? Well, I thought, um, I just felt like it was something I was, I was drawn to do, you know, I was drawn toward it. Like I said, I, I did love my role in administration. Um, and like I said, I learned a lot and I felt like that really helped me moving into education because you're familiar, you know, with management practices and could teach management and leadership and, and all those types of courses. But, um, I just felt like I was at the time in my life, um, I was at a point where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Let's just do it and, and see what happens. Like I said, because I did feel like again, and, and we've had some faculty members, I want to say that have come that have left clinic. They've come and maybe taught one semester, you know, and said, this isn't for me. 
and then they go back to the clinical area. But um, it just kind of fell in my lap, but I'm so grateful that it did. So Carolyn, it sounds like you were very thankful for the mentors and you even mentioned, you know, some gen ed, some core classes where you had great yes. instructors. Did you ever consider um, one of maybe some other avenue? Did you ever consider like vendor training or, or anything like that? Or were you when it when it all kind of came together? Did you want to be in a college setting? Um, I kind of I wasn't really sure. It just kind of like happened. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, one of my teachers had mentioned, oh, well, you know, why don't you why don't you do the tutoring? And so I did the tutoring for the AMP at, um, at Southwest and then um, was asked about, well, have you ever thought about being a CI? We need a CI uh, because actually the CI who was my CI moved up to the clinical coordinator position. So that left that vacancy. So I, I did that and, you know, teaching the labs, the reason I got into teaching the labs at ETSU was I was doing my master's program. One of the instructors there said, hey, we're gonna be looking for an adjunct lab teacher why don't you get your feet wet doing this? And it was really nice because I also worked at a hospital in Tennessee. I did graveyard weekends. So that may have played a little wow. role in it because I was like, you know, I was doing graveyard weekends, teaching during the day. I was like, man, I need to huh, sleep <laughs> on a normal schedule would be nice. But um, so it was nice because I could teach them in lab, but then our site was also their clinical site. So some of the students I would still get to work with there um, when they were doing their clinic, but, um, I, it's kind of like Kelly, it kind of just kind of like fell in my lap. It was just like some kind of pull to that direction. I have thought about, um, you know, what if, you know, going into the management side of it and I've researched and um, looked into doing like the CRA to get mm -hmm. those credentials also in case that was, you know, someday maybe down the road, if I decide maybe teaching isn't what I want to do anymore, which would be a long time down the road because I, I really love it. Anytime I think about not having my students, uh, it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> you know, it's one of those you know things. They, some days they, they try your patience, but you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you keep coming back. I don't know if we're glutton for punishments or, or just it takes a special kind of crazy to be a teacher, but, uh, it's uh it's it's really kind of something I've always just doing those little steps that just kept going into it and, I, and probably one of the most rewarding things for me as a teacher um when coming here finding out about the south position was um one of my former students that I had taught watching them and, and getting to be the mentor to them um because you know, they talked to me about well, what would you what would you suggest? I'm thinking about getting my master's. I'm like, yeah, go for it, go for it. And then now they're actually a clinical coordinator here. So going from I taught you, you were my student, and mm -hmm. now we're coworkers in right. the same field. And and you know, I get we get that in radiology because you're the CI, and then you they become your coworkers later. But it kind of feels like it's on a different level when it's you know, in the education and we're trading ideas and, and things like that. So that's, you know, probably those little moments like that would, would definitely keep me here when I think about going somewhere else. <laughs> so Kelly, I want to circle back around to the education of educators. 
Um, okay. Carolyn mentioned earlier that for JRC programs, for those programs that are accredited mm -hmm. by the Joint Review Committee, you have to have a minimum of a bachelor's degree to be the clinical coordinator and then a master's degree to be the program director. So right. you mentioned that your master's degree was in management. My master's degree is in administration and leadership, and then my doctorate's in education. So what would you suggest? I mean, you know, you can get an MSRS. You can get a master's mm -hmm. degree in lots of things. You can get a bachelor's degree in lots of things. Right. What would you suggest for someone, if kind of like you said, I'm never going to let that lack of education stand in my way again. Mm -hmm. What degree path would you suggest for somebody who's, who's thinking down the road, maybe I want to do this, but I want to start working on that degree. What degree path would you suggest? Well, I definitely um, would suggest the Master of Science in Radiologic Science. Um, I know as a program director, we've probably hired, you know, six or seven faculty in the last several years because our program mm -hmm. has grown so much. And we give preference to the Master of Science in Radiologic Science. Um, you know, and there's, you know, we have a program, but there's programs out there now that are 100% online. You, know, you can order, you know, earn CE credits, and then there's usually tracks where you can either do education or administration, and and so we've hired people with both. Like I said, I had I did mine in administration, and then several of our faculty members, you know, have done it in education, mm -hmm. and so um, I think that that's if if you know, you know, even if you want to be in administration, I still that's, think that's a good path because there is a difference. You know, we have also offer a master's in allied health at our in our department, mm -hmm. but it is more broad, you know, whereas the master's in radiologic science is built specifically for our profession. And so when we talk about administration, you know, we talk about the laws you need to know and regulations about your equipment and standards of that mm -hmm. nature. And then in our education courses, it's the same thing. You learn how to write a syllabus, how to build a PowerPoint, you know, how to do online courses. And so I think it's best to, you know, to be as specific as possible. So I think the Masters of Science would be the way to go. Um, yeah. What about, so back to you, Carolyn, what about credentials? Um, mm -hmm. and, and to you, Kelly, you can weigh in on this as well, because mm -hmm. you're talking about hiring different faculty into your programs. Um, for somebody that's, I'm a therapist, um, as as my general audience knows, I'm a therapist, so I have credentials in radiology, even though I have not done any of that in more than a couple of decades, and then, and then a lot of therapy. But what about, you know, CT, MR, what about those credentials you add on? So, Carolyn, how do you think that adds to maybe the robustness of being an educator in addition to having that master's degree? I, I love the alphabet soup. Um, I actually look for that. Um, uh -huh. I, I did opposite of, of you and Kelly. I did my master's in, like she said, the allied health. I did my master's of science in allied health. So it was broad. So I got the leadership and got that. But then the concentration in education gave me the how to build a syllabus, how to build a curriculum, how to do all that. Um, and I kind of like that because as the program director, like just now, I, about a month ago, I hired a new clinical coordinator and so i can take what i've learned there and help build her in, in those areas because she has a bachelor's and the one of the things i looked for her um she has mammography so i have radiology and ct she has radiology and mammo so when we're talking about those different modalities right. i can lean on her strengths right. she can lean on mine we have um, the ultrasound program here 
So when we start going over sonography and in the past, when I didn't have an ultrasound program at the other school, when we did that, my best friend's a sonographer. So I pulled on their strength. I have another friend that worked MRI. So, you know, you, you pull from each other's strengths. So I think having those extra credentials along with that master's and along with uh, that bachelor's or, you know, whatever degree you're looking for, it only strengthens you and having a faculty that can have, like I said, that alphabet soup is I, I think a wonderful thing because you, you just open doors that you don't even know are there until you're like, Oh, we're here. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, and I was going to say, Kelly, um, you know, because I would have gotten my radiology credentials a really long time ago and there, we didn't even have a CT at the hospital. I was at a hospital-based program. There was, you know, we had some new med, but and MRI wasn't even invented back then. But so there's so many different things. Kind of back to Carolyn's point, how do you, how do you make sure you're covered to teach all of those different things? Because you can't be an expert at all of them. So is that why you build such a diverse faculty, Kelly? Is that why you have so many faculty members? We do. It has. It's worked out. We um, again, we hired someone this summer. And she had, you know, in addition to the master's, which that's another thing, you know, since master's programs now have been around for a while, mm -hmm. um, it's more competitive. You know, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, when you were looking for another educator, it was hard to find someone with a master's degree. Right. But now, you know, mm -hmm. we had six people apply for this position that we just filled and they all had a master's degree. And so mm -hmm. The one that we end up hiring had the MR credentials, and so we didn't have anyone on our faculty. Now we have a, we offer an MR certificate program, so we had an MR tech that works adjunct for us teaching those classes. So that's the thing: if you want to expand, then you've got to find someone certified in that area to teach those classes. So when we brought in this new faculty, we said, "Well, great! Now you can teach the MR classes. You know, we don't have to have adjunct for that anymore." And so then we have some, you know, it, we've talked about this as a faculty, even we have uh, 11 full-time faculty and wow. everybody has a different background and it's just amazing how it's worked out. I mean, you know, we had one come from family practice. We do have a radiation therapist on, st on our faculty that we hired last summer. Um, we have someone certified in CT, one in interventional. So it just brings you, you know, another advantage when you come to that interview because you know you don't know what that faculty might be looking for specifically you know so um i think it just gives you an edge up actually to have those extra credentials mm -hmm. yes and i think it, it's for the students too because when they're searching out colleges you know we all get into education because we want to help a student we remember what it was like as a student we have that one specific memory as a student that kind of shapes us Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at college as a student, uh, you know, and you see that diverse faculty, you're like, okay, this, this looks like I'm going to get a well-rounded education here, mm -hmm. as opposed to somewhere where everyone is only kind of like in this little box. Right. So I think it makes a huge difference to not just us as faculty, but as the student looking in. Mm -hmm. That's a good point as well. I agree. So we've talked a lot about education of educators. Let's talk a little bit about some of those other traits. Um, you both mentioned mentors and you've mentioned diversity and how people have made an impact in your life. And a lot of that has to do with some of those soft skills, so to speak. So if there's somebody in clinic that's like, I'm not sure I'm ready to go for my master's, 
let me just, can I even do this? Carolyn, what would you say were some of the, you know, just give a couple examples and then I'll ask Kelly the same question. A couple examples of what do you think the traits are for an educator? If somebody were to ask me that question, I would have said organization and your own motivation. You have to be able to learn some of those things that you don't know. I had to learn, I had to learn some stuff about MRI because I didn't know that. So mm -hmm. I think organization, and I'm just kind of a crazy type A organized kind of person anyway. Um, so organization and motivation. <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, I'm not even gonna show my, my board. They, they make fun of me at work because I have my board. <laughs> so I think we all kind of have to have that. <laughs> right. So Carol, what traits, if somebody's trying to figure out whether they'd be a good fit or not, what traits do you suggest? Um, I look again, organization, because people, people that look at education like, oh, this is a nine to fiver and my weekends and summer's off. I work probably more hours and harder as a teacher than yeah. I do in the hospital. I mean, a hospital, I scan my patients. At the end of the day, I clock out, I go home, you know, as a teacher, you're still, even when you're sitting there having dinner, you're like, okay, this person wasn't doing this today. This person didn't turn in this today. Why didn't that, this is out of their norm. It's like your brain just never stops with them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think organization, definitely, uh, and communication. Yeah, if yeah. I'm, in, I'm in clinic, I'm, how do they communicate? Because there are just some people who have that natural ability to communicate, and that's a hard skill to teach even mm -hmm. trying to teach the students. This is a job interview you were on every single day for the next two years. You got to watch your P's and Q's. You have to watch how you come across to someone. You have to watch how you communicate. It, it's, you know, it just doesn't click sometimes for some people. So watching a tech with a student and then seeing if they ask me that, you know, are, are they able to communicate what they need? Mm -hmm. Are they able to um, give back and, you know, if the student um, for some reason gets something wrong, how, how do they handle that when the student gets something wrong? Are they just very hammer down tough or can they you know, guide them? And depending on the situation, can they see when they need to be tougher, when they need to be softer? And you know, those just kind of observations to see how they i guess you know just interacting with the student that communication verbal and nonverbal, play a huge deal with me and you know i like to do teaching interviews where with covid that kind of kept me from doing it this time but you know here's a subject come in and let me see how you interact with the class so you can you can see how that person kind of is going to be right so Kelly, what would you add to organization, motivation, communication? Those are all very good ones. I think another one that is very important is passion for the profession. Uh -huh. I, oh, yeah. I, mean, I love this profession. And I think be, you've also, so what builds into that is your internal motivation. Mm -hmm. You've got to be willing, like you said, to learn new things. Um, and to realize that you're going to have to con continue to learn, you know, with the way the technology is and our profession is changing and all the time, you have to expand your knowledge base to learn that material, to be able to teach that material. Um, I had been, in, you know, teaching for almost 10 years when I became the program director. And so my program director became the department head. We restructured and she said, you're the program director, so you got to teach physics now. And I said, what? What do you mean? Why do we always get stuck with yeah. that? 
<laughs> so I did, you know, as much studying as the students to stay one step ahead of them or one week ahead. But, you know, you don't mind doing it because you, you just love it. You know, you, again, you love the profession, you're passionate about it. You want to see your students succeed. And so I would say passion and motivation would be the other two things. You know, communication is super important, having good communication skills. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a people person. We have um, yeah. a couple of faculty members that are more quiet and reserved than say I am, but they shine teaching online. You know, um, yeah. these two individuals are really, superior at teaching online courses they provide feedback and they're much better at it than i am because i want to be face to face and talking to you and i want to be in the classroom so you know i think anyone you know those kind of communication skills are important too you know to be able to you know communicate in both of those arenas face to face and online yeah. so many courses are online now but i think passion is the biggest one yeah, yeah and then to, to piggyback off something kelly said about the having your knowledge base too and mm -hmm. I think a lot of new teachers have to think that they have to have all the answers right no, you don't, you don't. You, right. you, the best thing to do is it rather than make something up and then let the student because then you, you lose credibility with the student when they mm -hmm. find out you're wrong you can just right. say good question I don't know but I'm going to find the answer for you to mm -hmm. show them that you're you're still learning too that it's an all kind of it's an everyday process it's it never stops right yeah the, the faculty we hired go oh, i'm sorry go ahead no, so i was just gonna say i was gonna add to your passion thing and then Ke um, carolyn kind of made the same point you have to have a passion for education too because there are some right. people that are excellent techs there are excellent therapists but education is right. not their thing so you also have to have a passion to learn and to teach and so that kind of mm -hmm. that kind of goes off of both of those points there right mm -hmm. so i interrupted you what were you going to say kelly Okay, I was just going to, uh, again, piggyback off Carolyn, the, the faculty member that we, you know, hired, and actually yesterday was her first day, and so, um, you know, she's nervous and scared, and, and but she's been a technologist, you know, nine years in the ER and in MR, and, and we said, you know more than the students know. On your first day of teaching, you know more than the yes. students know, you know, and um, it's, I think educators are a little nurturing by nature as well, you know, we've yeah. promised her we're not going to throw you in there by yourself and make you teach something you're not comfortable with you know we're going to ease you in and so i think that um that's another thing is there's so many you know courses in the curriculum that even a brand new faculty member can find that you know something that they're comfortable with doing until they feel comfortable doing more you know and ease yeah. your way in. But, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's with, with with my new faculty member. She's been here um, a month, and you know we have this conversation all the time. You know, she's worried, what if I don't do this? What if I don't? And I'm, and she's like, when, when do I quit being nervous? And I was like, I'm gonna say never, because <laughs> I'm like literally, I have been teaching for like I've been a tech for 14 years and teaching, you know, from adjunct up for 12, and actually in the classroom for the last full time you know five six years every new class i get that first day of class with that brand new group i i can't sleep the night before because i have the butterflies <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh you know this is a new group their dynamics and, and how they act. are they going to think that my jokes are too corny are they going to get this are they i mean it's i was like 
and I always, always, I still get nervous every single year. So yeah. like, and I kind of don't want to stop because if I think right. if I get to that point that I, I stop being excited and nervous about that new group, that's probably going to be a telltale sign. Maybe mm -hmm. I need to step out. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so we're all having so much fun at this, and we all had so much fun at educators. We do need to tell people the cons. You know, there are some pros. There are pros, which we've talked about. We've talked about mentors. We've talked about learning, and we've talked about advancing your education. We've talked about making a difference in somebody else's life. You know, I used to think that um, when we would select our classes, and um, I would think, you know, this point could be the turning point in somebody's life. And so that's a, that's a huge statement to make. So on the flip side, what are the cons of being in education? Um, Kelly, I'll let you start. Okay. You've been doing this a while. So what would, yeah. what, um, what advice, or I guess maybe what warning would you give to someone? Well, um, I feel like I wasn't fully, when I came into education, I wasn't fully aware of all of the expectations on a faculty member. And so after I had been in probably 10 years and then, started sitting in on faculty interviews. Now I make sure that they know, you know, as well as they can, what they're getting into, you know, and some of those expectations, including, you know, being involved in the profession, you're leading by example. Also though, that means publishing or presentations, doing research, you know, your academic requirements, um, teaching effectiveness, you know, where those, students do evaluations on you and that's part of your annual evaluation and so those were some things you know go attending recruiting events i don't always love going to those sometimes i'm just not in the mood at 6 p.m to drive an hour away to go to a little high school and talk to students i mean sometimes i'm yeah. just not but other days i look forward to it but that is an expectation is that each faculty member attends so many recruiting events each year um, and so those were some of the kind of things I was surprised about because I thought, <laughs> oh, you know, educators, they just go to class and then they get to go home. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. So you have those recruiting events um, and then other, like I said, just expectations that come from the university, you know, where you're involved in committee work and on university committees and program committees. And, and then you have those assignments that come along with that. Again, I didn't have any knowledge of that before I got into education. Another one is, and you kind of touched on this, is um, some days are very difficult with, with students, you know, when, um, you know, students have changed, I'm not going to hit on, you know, pick on any particular generation, but um, you can no longer say act professional. You know, you have to tell them specifically what that yes. means. You yes. have to show them. You have to be modeling that behavior all the time. And um, we have to make some tough decisions and they're life changing decisions. And we don't take that lightly. And I don't think that students realize sometimes how much it affects us, how much it bothers us, you know, because we're parents yeah. and you hate to see a 19 year old kid that's messing up so bad and you want them to do right. And sometimes they're just not going to do right. You know, and I feel like it bothers me. And then I've even said, I seem like I'm more interested in your education than you are, you know. And so you have to, you know, have boundaries. I, I learned that the hard way. I hadn't been teaching a year or so and um, realized you have to establish boundaries with, mm -hmm. the, with your students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't, you can't, you can be friendly, but you can't be their friend. And so that is um, a hard line that needs to be drawn. And that was a tough lesson. 
for me too. So I feel like, I guess that was three cons, I guess, <laughs> that just come to me right off the top of my head. But um, I would definitely say that the pros outweigh the cons, but, you know, I guess that's an individual decision. Okay, so Carolyn, how about you recap some of those pros? See if you can counter Kelly's three cons, um, you know, with, with some pros there. Uh, oh, gosh. I was trying to prepare cons. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to take, like, mental notes. It's like, oh, did I know that one? Did I know that one? Um, the pros, like, with, um, like she said, with the, the involvement, uh you have to know when to say no um so that you don't get over involved because it's so easy to come in and be new faculty and be so gung-ho and want to make such a difference and want to make so, such an impact that you stretch yourself too thin mm -hmm. um but that's not necessarily a bad thing that that like she said earlier that passion having that passion and wanting to see them do more and uh one of my favorite things about teaching is when you have that student and i think every educator when you said that i was like oh my gosh i've had these same lectures i'm more i'm more invested in this than you are why is that uh, they act like uh, you know we're the, the the witch from wizard of oz and we just love putting those zeros in no right. i don't like seeing those zeros that hurts me to, to give you that zero mm -hmm. but being able to take that student that's struggling and find out why they're struggling and that that tutoring and that one-to-one -one. and then when you're finally sitting there and you're like why am I doing this why am I giving this extra and then they have that aha moment mm -hmm. when it just all clicks and you're just like yes yes this is exactly right and this and this and this and it just <laughs> all starts to make sense you get so excited so yeah. and that that's probably one of the the biggest pros about being a teacher is you actually do even though she mentioned as a con and it can be a con because you can, you are making life altering decisions for them. Sometimes not in such a good way, uh -huh. but when you get to make those life altering decisions to, to the point that you're putting them on that path to where they get it and you get to be there with them when they get it and when they see it. And, and then sometimes having that student that's not getting it this time, being able to sit and have that frank conversation, be like, listen, I, I don't understand this, why this isn't working. This isn't, but this isn't working. And I had this last quarter with a student, you know, they wanted and wanted and wanted to get it. And you could see they wanted to get it, but they just couldn't get it. And, but being that person that they came to, to talk to and be like, okay, I know that I'm not going to make it this quarter, but I don't want to quit school. Mm -hmm. and and being that person feeling like you were that person that they came to talk to you about rather than going to their advisor or someone else or I'm so mad because you're failing me you know they have them see and then to be able to, to direct them into another you know well maybe this isn't the part of the health field that you need to be in let's look at some of the things you do good and and being able to redirect them into another path in their life and and see them you know seeing her in the hall this quarter and she's going i'm doing so well this is making so much more sense mm -hmm. so um it's not always the negative but you know being able to 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 lead them and direct them into another path or down this path and being there to to be the one to see it when it clicks it's like the kid at christmas when it all lights up and they see what santa has and it makes sense finally 
So that's, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the, the biggest pro of all of it. And probably why most of us do it. Yeah. I'll say one thing that changed for me and because I was an educator a while ago and, you know, lasted for a while like Kelly um, and like you will too, Carolyn, we're just older than you are. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll say one of the things that changed for me the most is when I that started a con maybe and then ended up a super pro um, was a community, community of educators. So when I yeah, started, yeah. you know, there didn't seem to be a lot of people to reach out to that mentorship between educators. How do you learn to teach? You that right. that's a, that's its own thing. Actually, today mm -hmm. in a conversation, I said, "Well, let me look up some educational strategies, and then we'll apply content." I'm like, who are you? <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't know things about you know educational theories and how things best right. work and technology and and just sharing ideas. And so I'll say that something that evolved over mm -hmm. my career is building this community of educators and being able to reach out to them if I needed something, or reach out to them and share ideas, or you know, get get some solutions to things so as we wrap yeah. up i'm gonna ask you first kelly i'll ask you now i'll ask you two separate questions kelly i'm okay. gonna ask you what okay. does the future of education look like the future of education wow that is a loaded question i feel <laughs> like um it's going to continue to evolve just as the profession does because we have to keep up with the profession mm -hmm. you know we're kind of we try to be proactive, but sometimes we're reactive as far as following the profession and keeping up. I think we're gonna continue to see um, more online offerings. Um, you know, we had a faculty meeting yesterday talking about, you know, what are we gonna do this fall if we can't return and have face-to-face -face classes? And I'm like, there's no way I can teach physics online. You know, right. it may have to be more of a hybrid you know, mm -hmm. we're remote learning versus online learning. And so I think those things are gonna continue to grow, you know, again, with the remote learning and, you know, even compressed video and um, online courses. So I feel like that's going to continue to grow. Um, I think that, again, just kind of following the profession, I think, is is where I see education continuing to grow, if, if, if that really makes sense. I don't know if that's a very good answer. No, it does. And I mean, we've had this conversation with, you know, different modalities, um, different professionals, whether they're in clinic or whatever, and they believe that this online presence is going to have to adapt. Not that we haven't been teaching online for years, but it's going to have right. to adapt in a way, you know, how like telemedicine has become such a big deal mm -hmm. in the past few months, that online education is going to have to adapt. Um, as well, you're gonna have, because I'm like you. I want to be in the classroom. I want to talk to people. Obviously, I want to move my hands a lot. Um, I'll right. wander around. If you've ever seen me do a presentation, right. I'll walk all over the place. So sitting in front of a camera, I need this one one on one or one on a group, you know, with a group of people with a cohort. And so I'll ask you, Carolyn, as we finish up in that mentorship role, if you were mentoring someone, what is the one thing? or a couple of things. What idea have you had that's really been a good idea when it comes to teaching? I know we took on, and this has been several years ago, um, we did some kind of role-playing things so that students could get the idea or could kind of think through the process of being a cancer patient sitting in a waiting room. And sometimes that was, you know, if I think back on things that I think were very effective, I think that was one of the things. So Carolyn, as we're moving forward and maybe or maybe not be online or face-to-face, -face, what do you think is the one thing you could say to somebody, this was a really good idea and this worked and I would suggest that to you? Hmm. <laughs> I, I would say um, 
building that network of resources. So um, getting getting involved, it, it does take more time. You know, mm -hmm. if you can get involved in your societies so that you are meeting, because you know your societies put on these education, they literally have educational seminars. It's what they're called. It where you're right. meeting groups of, of educators from all over the world, and so that you can network and see and have those brainstorm sessions about um, how to teach the soft skills. What do you do with this? What and and the one thing with the online that I keep seeing in in these seminars is almost everyone that I go to there is a presenter that talks about online tools because mm -hmm. again we are in an evolving field radiology has went from film to CR to digital and it's going to keep evolving and the educational realm is going to have to evolve with that and if we get more digital in the education the more online we're going to have to have that resource pool of uh, simulations how do you simulate if I can't do a lab hands-on how can I give the most real simulation to a student experience in an online setting, um, you know, what kind of quizzing resources? Because if I'm teaching in class, I'll just stop and randomly ask questions to see if they're paying attention. What kind of like pop-up tool can I have to do to do this and with the Zoom? And um, so I think just getting to know, uh, have maybe start out small and then just build build your area of um, network with your educators and pull your resources and sit down and, and talk what works what doesn't work so that going forward when you're trying to because there's no two teachers that teach alike right. we all have the same material but everybody's style is different and and you can't this may work for one this may work for this one and even your your groups of students um, <laughs> the personalities and what works doesn't always you can't you can't, I guess you have to be very adaptable and open-minded because this may work with this group, my next group that comes in, this group of resources may work better. So you being able to be adaptable mm -hmm. and, and pull your resources and network so that you, you have that. So like, I, I see this isn't working, let me switch to this. Mm -hmm. And I guess not be so stuck. Mm -hmm. Well, so I think we have done a great job today, and by we, I mean y'all. Um, and this is kind of like the, the Southern edition, since we've got Jill's <laughs> from Atlanta and Kelly's from Louisiana. So y'all, I think y'all have done a great job um, letting people know, you know, that there, if you choose to leave clinic, there are options out there, and we've done a really good job of, you know, kind of digging into education, what it takes to be an educator, both educationally, and then some of those soft skills. The dedication, I think dedication is a huge dedication and passion. Mm -hmm. So I think we did a did a really good job of going through all of that. And I thank you both so much for being here this afternoon. Thank you for having us. I enjoyed yes, it. Thank you for having us. It was nice to meet you, Kelly. Nice meeting you too. Y'all have a great afternoon. You too.